The Times of London raved that the Robert Louis Stevenson novella appeals irresistibly to the most cultivated minds and must be appreciated by the most competent critics. Dave Carroll, the Chicago reader, called the 1941 film adaptation sober and turgid, but far from unwatchable, thanks exclusively to the caliber of the performances. And TripAdvisor user iFed92 praised its namesake restaurant as an incredibly funny and entertaining restaurant in New York. On this episode of Ruined Childhoods, we determine the future of the strange case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Which one will it be? Greetings, Starfighters. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, John. Happy New Year, Dan. How's it going? It's going, hey, it's it's kind of going the same as it was in the old year, you know. <laughs> not going to lie. like Fair enough. Fair I enough. Mean, but it's going with that. That said, all is well. And and how how are things by you, John? Things have been okay. I, uh, as you know, but our listeners don't know, I like bit my lip really bad, <laughs> like a week and a half mm. ago. And we recorded our last episode after that had happened, but it got like worse and worse. And it like I haven't been able to do much lately. So I finally feel okay now. And so I'm happy to be recording this, but I, yeah, I'm, I, I'm sorry. I don't think I knew about this when we recorded last, because we recorded, it didn't, it wasn't that bad then. And it just like got worse and worse. When we recorded last, you had just gotten over losing your voice. That's also true. And Was that last time or the time before that? Anyway, it doesn't no, matter. No, it does matter, John, because I'm worried. <laughs> I'm worried that a hex... A curse Here, of some sort. I has there been... is I do have a curse and it's called living with a toddler. <laughs> anyway, that's what I've got going on. As in they are germ buffets. Basically. So And they're the type of buffet that actually accumulates more throughout the day instead of losing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I've been um on like taking a lot of like painkillers and stuff. And they've been making nice. me very sleepy. So I've been trying to watch the, some of the, the movies that we are going to be talking about today. <laughs> just been like conking off because they're all like silent. <laughs> uh, and I just yeah. like can't keep my focus with silent movies plus painkillers. So anyway, um, everything's back on track now. So we're feeling good. So, Gotta say, by the way. I, I'm still, like, riding off of a high from recording our last episode. I really enjoyed talking about My Blue Heaven. I always love talking about My Blue Heaven. It's, it's no secret to anybody now who has listened to our last episode that, like, that's I thrive off that, talking yeah. about My Blue Heaven. It makes me sad that it's not as, like, warmly regarded to the masses as, as we feel about it. Yeah, but you know, it's like My Blue Heaven is kind of like that band that you really want to get big, but you're like, oh man, if they get big, I'm going to be pissed off about all the people who act like they're these big fans. And I'm like, I saw them in someone's basement. <laughs> uh, 
again. I, like, you just want to be like, I, I mean, I don't know. I think I would, I would appreciate it if my Blue Heaven picked up more of a cult following. And I think it does have a strong following I think, from those of our generation. The merengue scene? Every, Not like the scene every, in the movie, but like the scene out there of people who like the merengue. Yes. Well, what other movies do you have? Like, do any of the Lombada movies have a merengue in it? Did they, or was it just, it was 100% Lombada? I never saw the Lombada movies. I, I only know of out. its of its lore. <laughs> you know? I remember, so I remember, and it was like seventh grade, that both movies came out, and one of them was called The Forbidden Dance, and I believe that was the Canon Pictures Lombada movie. Oh, and yeah, it was like Lombada, the the Forbidden Dance, and are we gonna have to add a Lombada movie to our list? I think the other the other one was just called Lombada the movie. I think so. Like, yeah, as though as though this was something. Yeah, nineteen ninety Lombada. Oh, with Melora Hardin, oh. Jan from The Office, sure, and other things, I'm sure. But and then yes, the other movie was the Forbidden Dance. So this was like like father, like son, vice versa. And Dante, Dante's Peak, Volcano, Armageddon, Deep Impact. Deep Impact, yeah. Deep Impact. Saw that in the theater with mom. Oh, okay. You know. Yeah, we're brothers for anybody who doesn't know that. So it's not like he just um, So, yes. And what we do is, so we are brothers who frequently love talking about movies. And we've been doing it all of my life. Dan existed longer than I have, so... And I was talking life. about movies. I was acting out Star Wars and, and Indiana Jones in the living room, probably, you know, around the time you were born. Maybe not before you were born, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> anyway, we've been talking about movies for about as long as we could talk, and we are, you know, we have since gotten into really talking about these because everything you look at the at, look at the movie listings look at go on fandango go um i don't if the newspaper still has movie listings well look at, i mean just thinking about adaptations alone we've got cats we've got cats. little women uh-huh you know but talking got, about sequels and reboots and stuff we've got the new star wars at, movie if you went into a coma in the 80s or 90s and you came out of it today you would be like, wait a second. So Star Star Wars, but it's a different Star Wars. And it's like, a, there's Fisher's a Joker it, but wait, movie, Carrie but Fisher's Batman's dead. not in it. Joker, and it's just the Joker, but it's like Taxi Driver. Wait, Jumanji's back? There's a new Jumanji, but wait, Robin Williams died? Wait, what? Huh? Huh? Who is... There's a person named The Rock? What? Well, but anyway. he's not named The Rock. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I always, I always have these visions of like, if I could travel back in time to the mid '90s and tell myself things, and you know, just be like, "Good news, Quentin Tarantino still going strong." <laughs> Bad news, like, uh, uh, there was some sh- really shitty Batman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, depending on when in the 90s I'm traveling to, I could be I could be traveling back to stop myself from, like, spending money to see Batman and Robin. Well, around that same time, would you have also stopped yourself from seeing 
uh, the Broadway musical Jekyll and Hyde. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, 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 we will. So, yes, let's, so let's get into it. This week, <laughs> the, the property that we're discussing, because yeah. sometimes it's not just one movie, our, our, our last episode, My Blue Heaven, was about a, a singular movie. Well, two if you count Goodfellas. Right. But this this time we're talking about the the original title being The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, a, um, an 1886 novella written by Robert Louis Stevenson. This is the work that really, you know, he's he publishes maybe five books that are really popular and the ones that that we're probably most familiar with are dr jekyll and mr hyde and treasure island right yeah so he also wrote uh poetry a guard a child's garden of verses oh that's right Uh, yeah 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 so So, um i just want to quickly mention that it's kind of like as soon as movies started to become a thing movie adaptations of the Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde became a thing. There were a couple that came out in uh, 1908, 1910, that there are allegedly no, no, no known copies of. We decided to do this movie now because it is the 20s again. It is 2020. And in 1920, yeah. there were actually three versions of uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde that came out, one of which was um, like Jekyll, fr- like Hyde in Germany, um, vice versa. <laughs> um, Hyde, <laughs> yeah, but you had there was the uh, the John Barrymore one, which is probably the more well known um, of yeah. the the two American ones. the The other one was directed by J. Charles Hayden, and uh, that one starred Sheldon Lewis as uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And I, oh, I, okay. Sheldon I Lewis. did. Yeah, I did watch was, a, a what little was bit. He of, in, he was in something with Margot Martindale, who is in Lorenzo's <laughs> Oil. So, yeah, folks, it, I don't think that that's we're gonna, what happens. Well, I mean, I'm sure that we're. I'm sure that we can. Let's see, Michael Caine. Oh, uh, I've, no, 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 John, I've got it. I've got it? it because in the 1990 TV movie version starring Michael Caine, he plays opposite Cheryl Ladd. Cheryl Ladd appears as herself in Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story, in which Margot Martindale plays Dewey Cox's mother. Margot Martindale, That's right. who's in Lorenzo's Oil. That's right. And um, there is our connection. There is our connection to Lorenzo's Oil. Uh, yeah. There, so I'm sure there's more. So there's been, um, geez, a ton of film adaptations Stage adaptations, actually, uh, it was thought, well, but long before there was a musical, right? it was it was a stage play in, I want to say, like, 1888, 1889. In fact, um, you can, there's a connection. It's, it is thought that Jack the Ripper modeled, I guess, his, his style really? after the portrayal of this, of, of Hyde in this london production huh that's yeah. very interesting yeah there were 123 film versions and if you know what why don't we just uh quickly go over a very brief synopsis for anybody who's unfamiliar with uh dr jekyll and mr hyde but 
essentially, and this is going to be very quick, it's about a scientist who creates this potion that unlocks a person's inner demon, its other half. And when he tests it on himself, it kind of takes over, and there's a back and forth between the two different personas. Uh, Dr. Jekyll, the good one, Mr. Hyde, the bad one. Mr. Hyde gets into some crazy mischief. Uh, if I can add, because I do think it's an important plot point, okay. he experiments on himself due to the fact that he's not, at least as far as I know it, because I think each version of this really takes it in a different direction. But from what I was to understand, he doesn't get, like, he wants to use use a, uh, you know, a, a prisoner or a... Um, you know, someone in an in an asylum to experiment on, but he's not granted he's not granted permission, and um, I think he's had a falling out with his former mentor. Is that accurate of the original text, or is that just some of the? Because I know that there's been a lot of liberties taken, like the original book. It really follows a lawyer in London who's investigating odd things that are going on with this guy, Dr. Jekyll, and this other guy, Mr. Hyde. And uh, those things, I think his name is Utterson, and those things kind of come out. And and that character kind of gets omitted from a lot of the adaptations. Uh, I'm sure there are some that are true to the text, but... Yeah, actually, as I'm... I'm Looking at it, I'm sorry, I don't think that is accurate. I think that was something that was added in later. Yeah, I mean, entirely possible. All right, go go on. Oh, with I your mean, synopsis, that's that's John. pretty much it. I, am, I mean, uh, yeah. in the John Barrymore version, Mister Hyde kills somebody, and it kind of uh, fills the entire city with terror and. Uh, when it is discovered that Jekyll and Hyde are the same person, because Dr. Jekyll also sets up in his will that everything is, if he dies, to go to Mr. Hyde. And that is, I believe, and I think this is accurate to the text, because he he eventually realizes that he is not going to... Because, like, he reaches a point where I think his serum... He has to make. He like runs out of one of the elements to make it with. And oh yeah, it's, I might have dozed off during that, like, that part. It's the thing that turns him back. Well, I'm go. I I be man. I'll be honest with you, John. I haven't watched it. I haven't watched a version of it beginning to end. I've watched bits and pieces of the John Barrymore of the Michael Caine. I've been listening to to the music, the original concept recording of the musical which I'll talk about the difference between that and the Broadway cast recording Mm -hmm. in a little bit, but I've been, I've just kind of been like dipping in and seeing that like, Oh wow. Okay. So in this, he is engaged to Lanyon's daughter and Oh, Uh this he's engaged to Lisa Carew. Right. And in this, like, I, yeah. And I don't know. It's, it's really kind of, I don't think there's been, I don't know if there's necessarily been a, like, straight up faithful adaptation. I mean, out of the 123 film versions, the, like, 20 or so stage adaptations, the different TV versions, 
I mean, there's also just the, I mean, Wikipedia calls them spoofs and parodies, but some of them aren't necessarily parodies. They're just different. Well, Dr. Jekyll and Ms. Hyde. And Ms. Hyde, like yeah. Tim Daly turns into Sean Young. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just want to quickly highlight some of the TV versions just to go over the trajectory. And I'll start with the one in 1968. That one starred Jack Palance. Uh, in 1973, there was that. a, there, did you see it? No, no, no. I mean, I saw that that existed. I'm sorry. I need to make a, I have to make, this is a tangent, but it's a okay, go Jack Palance. Sorry. You just reminded me of this like hilarious thing that happened the other day. And it, um, so I have a five-year-old. So when John speaks five and of, three quarters, thank you very much. Five and yep. Nope. Five and 5.75 year old as of today. And she said to me the other day, and I forget what context this was. I think she had just gone to the bathroom and she actually said to me, she says, I poop bigger than you. And she's never seen City Slickers, nor uh-huh. has she listened to this podcast or heard me quote City Slickers at any point. This guy is not normal. I'm telling you. Did you see his eyes? He's got crazy eyes. He's a lunatic. I'm telling you, we are going into the wilderness being led by a lunatic. He's behind me, isn't he? Time to turn in. Good night. night. (sighs) Sorry. I didn't mean anything by that. I crap bigger than you. So she unknowingly made this great City Slickers reference, and I just imagined her. I was, I was like, could you do it again? But like Jack Palin's, or like, I crap bigger <laughs> than you. <laughs> you know, that's funny because my two Which and a half year old like called Palance. me uh, Chicken Dick, and she's never seen Roadhouse before. So you see, I'm staying, and you're going. Oh, really? That's right. Sit down. Come on, Dalton, you and me right now. Right now! What's the matter, you chicken dick? What are you afraid of? Me? (laughs) That it, Dalton? You scared to fight me? You big, bad Dalton. What, do you want to kiss and make up? I'm getting those. Did she she try to rip your throat out? (laughs) Yeah, I'm getting those. She did uh, inform me tonight that she has a butt. So, that's... uh... (laughs) Extra, extra, read all about it. So in 1968, we had uh, Jack Palance TV version. In 73, we had Kirk Douglas. In 1989, there was a Laura Dern and Anthony Andrews version. I'm very intrigued by that. Anthony uh, Andrews? Or Anthony I don't know Edwards? who that is, but uh, oh. it's somebody, but Laura Dern. Uh, and then 1990s, the Michael Caine version. And then in 99, there uh, Francis Ford Coppola produced one with uh, Adam Baldwin, who was on the show Chuck, 2007. Not connected to no. William and Alec Stephen. William? Billy? Yeah. Are we still calling him Billy? Yeah, we are. Billy Baldwin? We are still calling him that. I believe the poster for Backdraft says William, but... 2007, there was a BBC serial that was called Jekyll. And then in 2013, do you remember this one? There was a TV series called Do No Harm. It was the the poster had like the surgeon that had the hands up and the hands had like a different face on them. And it was it's with uh, Stephen Pasquale and it it's a medical drama about a surgeon who turns into this other person 
like in the middle of the night. Oh, yeah. I remember seeing okay. the billboards all over the place, but it's technically a adaptation. Is that still is that still on or did that not, I don't think uh, so. Oh yeah, there we go. He's got the hands up like he's playing peekaboo. Lin Manuel Miranda was on it, and uh, Sam Levine. Oh, you know who else was on it? Mike. So Michael Esper, who I uh, went to Rutgers with. Oh, was in my well, uh, my acting class at Rutgers. Michael Esper, nice. He was on. Uh, he was great. He was in that show, The Family, with Joan Allen. I don't know. Did you see that? No. Nothing to do with Jekyll and Hyde, but it was a really cool show. It lasted one season. My friend Lynn had a uh, had a spot on that. Oh, very so, cool! Way to go, way to go, Lynn. Um, so, oh yeah, interesting. Felicia Rashad was on this. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was it was a thing. Real it was deal. like a network drama. Yeah. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. I I'm I guess I didn't do my research. <laughs> uh, and then there was also, uh, I mean, a ton of different comedic portrayals of uh, the Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde story. There in 1924, there was a a, a silent uh, Stan Laurel film uh, called Doctor Pickle and Mister Pride. Uh, there was Wait, a just death- Stan Laurel, just Stan Laurel. It's like, fuck Hardy, I'm doing this one on my own. It's just Stan Laurel. And uh, then there was a Daffy Duck cartoon called The Impatient Patient, where he meets Dr. Jekyll. And uh, then there was a Tom and Jerry cartoon called Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Mouse in 1947. Uh, let's see, I'm just kind of breezed through some of the more notable ones. Abbott and Costello meet Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde was a 1953 horror comedy uh, that had um, Boris Karloff, who played Jekyll, and then... Uh, Eddie Parker was Hyde. And then there was a uh, Sylvester cartoon, Looney Tunes cartoon called Dr. Jekyll's Hyde. I uh, was so hoping that you were going to say there was like a Sylvester Stallone no. <laughs> version, which I know I would be aware of it if it existed. But man, that would, there we, there's some casting. Yeah, right. Uh, I mean, there's, I mean, it's appeared in Scooby Doo. You can, it can be argued that uh, the Nutty Professor is a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Uh, oh, definitely. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you, when you start getting into it, the Hulk. The Hulk, mm-hmm, for sure. Uh, it's, it's really fascinating. I'm, I'm just kind of breezing through some of these here, but there's, yeah, there's a Tim Daly, Sean Young, Dr. Jekyll and Ms. Hyde. Um, I mean, a lot of superhero, you know, the character of Two Face and Batman is, 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 you yeah. know, it's a similar concept. There's a uh, 2003 direct-to-DVD erotic film called Dr. Jekyll and Mistress Hyde. Just saying. I am I am certain that there are numerous adult film <laughs> yeah, right. versions of Jekyll and Hyde. And I'm certain there's one in which Jekyll and Hyde have sex. I, I cannot vouch. I have no evidence to back this up whatsoever. <laughs> but if nobody has done it, it's come on, people. Where is the creativity and imagination in pornography? Yeah. Well, anyway, this this is clearly <laughs> a property that is there is no end to people taking from it and, and doing their own takes on it. So, yeah. why do you think that is? I mean, it's kind of the it's probably the first time that there was that type of thing where 
kind of exploring a split personality. You know, at least told in fiction. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But so So, then... I mean, so then then anything from that is probably... I don't know, uh, at least in some way, referencing Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I almost said Ms. Hyde. If it's post-1995, sure. Yeah. But, and if that's your only, if you're like, wait a second, that's based on a book and what, huh? Like, I just thought this was a brilliant movie. I mean, I think that because it was adapted into so many different things so early on, it became a part of common culture internationally and it's been this type of thing that everybody has been just trying to do a different take on. And when you say things like the Hulk, I mean, probably, but it, I'm sure that there could be arguments that it, it wouldn't be, but because it does have to do with a split personality. The Hulk is much closer to Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde than most of the adaptations. It's a scientist Mm-hmm. who is he's got a, a and i i know that there's something between him and lanyon in this and it it kind of re- deals a little bit you've got like you know banner's relationships with you know colonel ross and betty ross and i'm i'm not the biggest you know, i apologize to people who are uh aficionados of the incredible hulk but I know what I know. <laughs> that's it. But I feel like especially and I know like the movies the 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 Ang Lee movie was really the only one to do an origin story for the Hulk. I I feel like the Edward Norton Incredible Hulk kind of picks him up already Hulkified. He's Hulk. He's he's already hulking out. And then in the he hasn't had a standalone movie with the Avengers, so but I don't see them doing a. I don't see them doing a prequel or doing an origin right. story. Yeah. So I, I, I guess the the question is is it's like, and I, I think what I spent a lot of my time thinking about in in preparing for this episode are the the themes of of mm-hmm. the story and and how I felt kind of the themes of the story. Are, are always going to be applicable. And it's it, not just good and evil, but the part of yourself that you display to others and the part of yourself that you hold back. And I think we all can identify with that. I don't think we all go out. I don't think we all are holding back like a, a vile, murderous rapist. Right. But I think that, you know, whether it's, you know, refraining from cursing someone out who mm-hmm. I, I don't know what I'm trying to think of a in whatever context you would have to, you know, they, they, they cut in front of you online or whatever, you know, there's just, there's the things that we don't do because we recognize that they're not, you know, like we're civilized. There's, there's decorum, mm-hmm. you know, we don't just have the id, the pure id and it, like you're saying, it's it, it explores this psychology in this very, I think, forward-thinking way, especially for the late 19th century, and dissecting the psyche and saying, you know, that you can split, you can distill the evil 
from the good and you could you could separate them and you can like kind of put one all the way in in charge and and he does it using drugs which is no surprise stevenson wrote this uh as as i'm told uh on a huge coke binge well i'm told by the internet oh. <laughs> uh, stevens stevens like bro <laughs> Guess what I did before I wrote? Yeah, well, right. He apparently, he had he he was well he uh, he was very sick. He uh, he was always throughout his life very sick, and he had been prescribed medicinal cocaine mm-hmm. when it was le- when it was medicinally legal in Britain, and he he got hooked on it because you know it's cocaine, and I, I guess he like basic he would do all this coke and and then just pass out. And he had this dream and he, it's, it said that his, he was having this nightmare and his wife woke him up and woke him up and he was pissed at his wife for waking him up because he was like, I was dreaming the best story. And (laughs) sure enough, you know, this becomes his biggest, it's his biggest hit. It's the thing that makes him internationally famous. Well, it's kind of like the way that uh, Stephen King would write in the eighties, like how he says he doesn't even remember oh. writing, like, what was it Christine or something? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And I, I just, I don't think, I don't know that, that Stevenson ever cleaned up. Yeah, so it said that he kind of came up with this idea and he wrote it. He was, he had a bout of sickness and he was bedridden. So he wrote, uh-huh. strange case of, you know, what do we do now? We binge watch a you know, a series if we're, if we're sick. Yeah. He wrote The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. So. I think that that's a really cool story. I hope that that's true because that's pretty neat. Um, Wikipedia and, don't lie, John. Yeah, I know, right? That's where I get all of my information. So in watching the John Barrymore version, did you, did you watch it or did you just watch little bits and pieces? I watched, I watched the first I, 15, 20 minutes. Oh, okay. Well, then you didn't get to the scene where Jekyll is sleeping and this like giant spider crawls into his room and up on his bed and like makes him become Mr. Hyde. It's a really cool scene. It's like pretty creepy. And uh, it reminded me a lot of like Twin Peaks with like Bob and the way that he would like lurk and creep and kind of make somebody become the demon version of themselves or get possessed by him. It reminded me a lot of that. I know it's, there are a lot of differences in Twin Peaks and, and Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, but there were a lot of similar elements. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be shocked at all. If David Lynch was influenced. I mean, look at Eraserhead. Look at the, look at the style, the visual style of Eraserhead. Yeah. I wouldn't be shocked at all. If, if David Lynch, was a fan of mm-hmm. of this adaptation so that leaves me, oh yeah and then the, the musical we got to talk about the musical we got to talk about the musical so in 1990 uh this musical was written and that's how it started and it was i believe started in texas maybe is where it was um i don't i don't think so i think it was because it was Leslie Briss, I I am not going to pronounce his name correctly. <laughs> Leslie Briss- Bricuse, who had done uh, and Anthony and I think Anthony Newley, and oh no, sorry, Frank. Never mind, never mind. Frank Wildhorn. 
uh, with a book by Leslie Berkuse, mm-hmm. lyrics by by Frank Wildhorn, and I believe they did the songs for oh well, Frank Wildhorn wrote Whitney Houston's hit "Where Do Broken Hearts Go?" And there you go. But I want to say that they also oh yeah, they did the Scarlet Pimpernel, Dracula the Musical, and and Les Leslie Berkuse. Br- Sure, whatever. Just me. stick with whatever you decide. <laughs> Did the, I mean, man, wrote Goldfinger, wrote a bunch of the, uh, uh, some songs from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. What kind of fool am I? Uh, you know, really, really accomplished. And it, yeah, it's it had its world premiere run in, well, in First Houston, presented at the this, Alley Theater in Houston, Texas. Look, I wasn't crazy. But, but this was not, the con this was not the original or wait yes sorry it was i'm i'm thinking of no no but then it it i guess the re- the revival did as well or what what became the broadway production right so there was the in the so there was the 1990 version and then uh, according to wikipedia there was a 5 year hiatus it returned to houston And then um, from 95, it started to do a national tour uh, from Dallas to Baltimore and eventually leading up to 1997 when it went to Broadway. Yeah. Now, I I had a bunch of friends who were big musical theater people and they were really into the concept recording of Jekyll and Hyde. Which okay. I'm trying to find some more information for that, but I think that was recorded in, in 1990. And it has all of these great songs in it. It really has a lot, it puts a lot of focus on the class, hmm. class differences. Well, there was in- a big focus on class difference in the films in the 20, in 1920, um, yeah, because Dr. Jekyll also worked at a he did free health care for his clinic children of the poor. Yeah. Yeah. He does. He's Medicare for all. Yes. Oh, it's yeah. Dr. Jekyll. Oh, yeah. He would. So he, you see yeah. a huge class difference in the movie because all of his cohorts, all of his buddies are all these aristocrats. They're these well, people who in, are pretty fancy folks. Well, and that's in the song, or that's in um, that's in the book, and then that's in the musical. There's this great, like, this the big first scene. It's going to be his, it's his engagement party to Lisa Carew, right? And at the opening of it, you just have these characters that are all gossiping about each other, and they're all like they all are hiding these awful secrets, which shows. I, what I love about it is it's really funny, and it's also poignant in showing how the upper class can think of themselves highly, but their behavior doesn't merit right. them yeah. that at all. And it also shows that duality, that two-facedness of, you know, I will look at you and smile and compliment everything about you. And then when you turn your back and you are 10 feet in another direction, I am going to talk a tremendous amount of shit about you. Yeah. So that's, so I thought it's like this great song called Bitch, Bitch, Bitch. And it is, it's fantastic for all those reasons. It's got the famous songs. This is the moment. Oh, so this is the moment was an OG song. 
I, this is the moment was an OG song. Yeah, I definitely remember uh, hearing that song. Because that was like I the always, hit of the musical. Well, I I always I always wanted to, and I don't. I would have had no form in which to do this, but I always wanted to just do a parody of it where I stand on stage just with a box of items and pull them out and just like, you know, this is a horseshoe. <laughs> this is a glass. You know, it's funny because I haven't thought about the Jekyll and Hyde musical since 1998, let's say. Hey, oh, give, really? give, me, okay. give me a few months or a year to let it disappear from my mind. But as soon as I saw the title of the song, this is the moment that got in my head. And it's just like, it was just sitting there waiting for all of these years to come back out and haunt me. <laughs> wow. This, this show really had an impact on you. Well, well, I mean, let's see, I was, you know, a teenager and yeah. I, was going to see a Broadway show. We, we we would usually go as a family once a year for our mother's birthday, and we went to go see this. It was, I believe, in previews when we when we went actually. Uh-huh. And, yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Oh, it definitely was in previews. <laughs> and if I'm not mistaken, we also went to the Jekyll and Hyde restaurant. Oh, on that same day, I would be surprised if we didn't, because that's when it was around. So why wouldn't we I go? guess so, yeah. I mean, the Jekyll and Hyde, for those of you not in the know, the Jekyll and Hyde restaurant was an early on theme restaurant, and there were two of them in New York. There was one right. in Midtown, Midtown Manhattan. There was one down in Greenwich Village, which I had been to both of them. I couldn't, I don't remember all that much about them other than, you know, the inside of it was made up to be like, you know, really creepy and like It was gothic. fun. Yeah. Oh, I love Jekyll and Hyde. It the one in the village was the best one. Is it still is around? It, I think there's one in Vegas. I don't know if there's, there's any still in New York. There's a Jekyll and Hyde club on 7th Ave. I don't know if that's... Oh, so you know what? Maybe they, they just kind of yeah. downsized it, shrunk it down. Yeah. I mean, it was the thing, though. That that was the cool... I, I definitely went with friends at some point. It was fun. Yeah. Jack, it was. I remember the food being pretty good, but like, I mean, I the I'm looking at the website for the club right now, and it looks really cheeseball. But I mean, if you're into this kind of thing, then yeah, I think it. I think it was once upon a time very cool. Yeah, it was the kind of thing where it's like the bathrooms was like you had to pick the right book on the bookshelf to open the door. You know, it's yeah, like, it was like the Adams Family house, but but a little more creepy, a little less kooky. And I believe the uh, waiters and waitresses were like dressed up and all ghouly. Yes. Yeah. They were, they were in character. Right. So they had their, they had their costumes. Yeah. Do, do you know cool. how long the, uh, the musical did last on Broadway? So the musical, it had a couple of revivals. I think I know it had a uh, 2013 revival it was on Broadway. Let's see. It closed January seventh, two thousand one. It was, and it starred uh, Robert Cuccioli, who was re really big in New Jersey professional theater. Because I never did any shows with him, but like I know a lot of people who knew him and did sh did shows with him. He did a lot in. Hey, it's Robert Cuccioli. Like. Uh, <laughs> He did a lot That's of what stuff. What somebody might have in, said. 
He, hey, man, he'd be a maybe he'd be a good Vinny in the uh, My Blue Heaven musical. <laughs> Who knows? But uh, and it, actually, so other personal, like kind of, well, actual personal connections. So, do you remember uh, when I was a senior in high school and I was in a production of Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat? Okay. Do you have any recollection of this? I'm sure you saw it. I doubt that you. I. Vaguely, go on. Anyway, you remember that this happened. So the uh, the, the show has a uh, a singing a narrator who sings and you know narrates the story. Our production had two: one male, one female. The female narrator was played by Colleen Sexton, who was at the time a uh, student at Westfield High School, one okay. town over. But later was the final actress to play the role of Lucy Harris hmm. on Broadway. Huh, cool. So By the way, I thought you were going to say Colleen Camp. I got really excited. No, but, but my friend, you know, my friend Ray worked for Colleen I know, Camp I know, I time, know. So, <laughs> no, no, no. It's, you know, hey, you, you you cling on to what you got. So, uh, and, and Colleen is the Lucy in the... DVD with David Hassel. Oh, no way. That's awesome. So she played, I think she did it opposite Sebastian Bach. Right. I know Sebastian Bach did it. Yeah. When he took over at some point and then she, she did it opposite David Hasselhoff. So it closed in 2001 and then it had a limited engagement that began April 5th, 2013. And it was supposed to go through the end of June and ended up closing on May 12th. Hmm. Okay. And that that production starred another New Jersey Theater Hall of Famer, Constantine Maroulis, also of, Amer- of American Idol, a, okay. uh, a contestant on American Idol, who uh, also known for uh, Rock of Ages. He was in Rock of Ages for... Okay. Uh, Good. And he, you know, he's he's done a lot, but he played Jekyll and Hyde. There you go. So that's and then ever since then they've done like a concert concert version. You know, various people have kind of come back and forth to it. There, the rights were secured in 2013 to do a film version of the musical, which mm. I don't know if that's still going on, but if if it is get Tom Hooper on that right away. Okay. Because I think the only way that I, I mean, look, nothing in the world made me at all interested in seeing cats, the movie until I started seeing the audience response to cats, the movie. And it's got a life of its own. I'm just like, wow, I, I really, now I'm interested. So, I think a I think if you're going to make a film of the musical especially if you're only using the songs that they kept for the Broadway version which they based they kept all the boring songs and this is the moment. Okay. I mean yeah and like bring on the men is a fun song but yeah, yeah I vaguely remember that being a thing. Yeah. It, it was indeed a thing. <laughs> so anyway that's the the musical the I I, I enjoyed the restaurant more than the musical, but I think the original concept recording of the musical had a lot of promise. Well, the musical didn't have spooky mozzarella sticks. 
I don't know. I'm just guessing that that that's what the restaurant would have. <laughs> Actually, I kind of want to look at the menu right now and see if yeah. they do have anything like spooky mozzarella sticks. Would the steaks be like? Would it be spelled S T A K E S? Um, oh, no, bloody. Just no clever names for things. Oh wait, we have Doctor Jekyll's Explorer's Platter. Our, season, our secret seasoned buffalo-style chicken wings accompanied by mozzarella sticks and potato skins topped with cheddar cheese and bacon. Not even like chilling cheddar cheese? No, dude, I'm telling you, these are really... Okay, here we have their monster burgers. So we have the Dr. Jekyll burger, the mummy burger, the Hyde burger, the Frankenstein burger, vegetarian burger... <laughs> <laughs> the burger from the black lagoon <laughs> um okay so there's then there's pizzas dr jekyll's pizza the cannibals pizza yeah wait there there's... has to be a pizza that's got like one side of it is like i feel like they they need to do almost and i know that this is this would go against the you know principle of, of being vegan but like one half vegan the other half like super meat super cheese su- like extra thick well if you're vegan crust. for health reasons then maybe that's well, okay then it's really jekyll and hyde it's yeah it's the two yeah. sides of the coin there yes so dan what would you do if given the chance to uh make your version of dr jekyll and mr hyde i'm so glad you asked john probably because that's what this podcast is about. <laughs> but um, also, it's kind of all I've been thinking about. Because that's what we do at the 45 minute mark. Yeah, you know, after I've interrupted the synopsis 80 <laughs> times. I thought about this. I really did. And I thought about the original story. I thought about the themes. I thought about everything. How do you like making it relevant to today? And do you do it to explore? like a social issue, like like one plot was this incredibly conservative scientist believes that he discovers a way to isolate homosexuality in people. And he's, and it's basically like chemical conversion therapy. And, mm-hmm. and then he, but he has to you know, experiment with this on himself and it basically turns him, you know, the one side pretty much stays the same. Cause that's, cause Jekyll pretty much stays the same. Yeah. It's not like Jekyll gets different. So this guy pretty much, you know, stays an asshole. And, but then, like, when he takes, if he takes the potion, like, most of the time you hear these, like, real, like, conservative hardliners, conversion therapy people, Mm -hmm. they always end up being closeted. Right. And repressing that. So it's like, like, you know, what if like Mike Pence was a scientist and, <laughs> and made this and then drank it. And like, he goes from just being like, you know, the, the regular Mike Pence that we all know. And, and then he becomes like pride weekend Pence, like 24 seven. He is just like out there going for it. But then he's conservative. It becomes this whole, like, you know, it, it, it's almost like a cross Jekyll and Hyde where, where Hyde is awesome. Uh-huh. Jekyll sucks. Yeah. So I feel like the ending. That's interesting. And the, you keep the ending where he doesn't turn back, but it's, he doesn't turn back. And it's not because the medicine just keeps its effect permanently. It's because he's accepts who he is mm-hmm. at the end. And, you know, I'm not saying you know, he just completely changes forever. But like, I think that it ends with that, you know, can end with that resolution of 
you know, sometimes forcing something out is like, there's different ways to force things out mm-hmm. where, you know, he starts off saying, I am going to force the, the homosexuality out, but, and it does come out, but right. it, it's him. Yeah. So it's bringing uh, it out to the public. That was one idea. And, and it's like a lot of the interpretations of this at the time, not just at the time, but also like there's a lot of interpretation that this was about sexuality. And this hmm. was about like, re- because the Hyde kind of represents, if you look at it from the, the, the idea of the id, the ego and the superego, you have the id that is just like our primordial nature. It's, you know, infants and just following every impulse without any caution or regard whatsoever mm-hmm. that's the id and then the ego kind of keeps that in check and then the super ego i guess if i remember correctly kind of keeps them all it's like checks and balances yeah you got checks and balances you got to let your crazy out a little bit so sure. you gotta you know the, the id's gotta play a little bit but <laughs> you know you gotta keep that bad boy on lock most of the time yeah so You've got that kind of balance. And I think that Jekyll and Hyde or the strange case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde plays into that where if people are saying, well, the the id really wants something else, then that's your your true self. That's your primordial basic self that has not, you know, been trained Mm -hmm. to be a civilized human being. So it's why Hyde just is and, and it's. You know, in, in the case of this story, which is here's where you'd want to kind of be faithful to it. In the case of the story, it's the pure evil and the violence and not necessarily who Jekyll is as a person. It's just that basis nature of him. Right. So I was thinking about that. You know, there's all sorts of things you could you could do with this. I mean, if you think of personality altering drugs you consider military research i mean but mm-hmm. then it plays like a like a comic book movie it plays like a marvel movie right whatever. with a touch of like manchurian candidate yeah 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 honestly i think where i'm landing on this and there's there's a ton of variations that you could do on it but i kind of think a faithful adaptation like a re- faithful readaptation sure. By somebody who has a real knack for tone and for the psychology of a story. And I'm thinking like an Ari Aster, maybe a Jordan Peele. What about like Sam Mendes? Uh, Sam Mendes absolutely would be a great choice. Yeah. Great director. I mean. Wonderful well, visual style. Yeah. Um, I love like his, like I'm thinking of like Road to Perdition. I'm thinking mm-hmm. about like that. Yeah. visual style i think he could really but i'm thinking like i want like a good like a frightening not not like an over-the-top like a bram stoker's dracula and not not some like part of the monster universe sure yeah. thing where it's like at the there's a post-credit scene where dr jekyll and dr frankenstein meet at like a conference or something <laughs> Although like the, that could be fun too. Well, but then it's also the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. I mean, yeah. isn't that isn't what that was? Pretty much. Isn't that what that was? Yeah. So and I I would love to see the other the other takes on it, the satirical take regarding our ultra conservative scientist or politician or or both. He's a political scientist. Yeah. Because that's the thing. But I think a straight up 
readaptation, somebody who knows tone, a Sam Mendes would be fantastic, but not somebody who's going to... And I think why another reason why I like Sam Mendes as a choice is I don't think he's going to overstyle it. Right. And he's going to let the story be the star, not the style. Yeah. I'm just thinking about how he took the James Bond franchise and it actually made you think about the psychology behind, you know, Mm. what happens to somebody when they're messed with by their government for so long and the repercussions of, of what happens to them. Well, I mean, he made my, I would say my favorite Bond film, Skyfall. Skyfall is great. Yeah. Gotta love Skyfall. Yeah. Love, love Skyfall. And I don't know if you've seen, I doubt you've got, had a chance to see 1917, but it is fantastic. Yeah, not yet. I have not seen it yet, but I, I as like you tell me, Sam Mendes is making a movie set during about like World War One, set yeah. during World War One. I, I would be shocked if it wasn't fantastic. Yeah, it's so good. I'm glad you. I'm glad you like my thought for the director for for your idea. I do. I really do, and I'm sure there's there's a lot of other great directors out there. Who could do it? Like, I mean, I would be curious to see a Ryan Johnson take on it. I don't know if it's exactly what I have in mind. I feel like anybody wants to see a Ryan Johnson take on anything right now. He's very clever and thoughtful. You have like Joseph Gordon-Levitt as Dr. Jekyll? Oh, no. So, so, no. So, so casting. Well, so if you're doing a faithful, if you're doing a faithful adaptation, Jekyll's supposed to be about around 50. Mm Mm-hmm. There were a lot of people I thought about. Andy Serkis. Okay. Well, and not, beca- not because it's like, oh, because of course there's going to be computer animation, but actually not. Because it's like, I bet you you could do less of that because the guy is just such a like strong actor. The, guy, mm-hmm. the guy's such a great actor that I actually think he could really pull off the two sides, Jekyll and Hyde, yeah. without... A whole lot of digital assistance. Right. Yeah. So, but I mean, I think he's around that that age. Hugh Laurie. Uh-huh. I'm, I love Hugh I'm Laurie. I'm surprised Hugh Laurie hasn't done this so far. Uh, you know, and I would be, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you found, if you like found that, oh yes, Hugh Laurie did a production of Jekyll and Hyde somewhere. Right. I, but if you're looking for someone in that age range, that's where I, that's where I land. How about okay. you? Okay. Uh, so what I would do is I'd actually flip things around a little bit and have it be about a scientist, not Dr. Jekyll, but somebody who believes the opposite, well, kind of the other side of what Dr. Jekyll believed, which is that everybody has these two sides within them and you can unlock the other side. Whereas you take somebody who's truly an awful, vile monster and give them this serum, whatever, and it turns them into the good version of themselves. And it's trying to... So it's Dave? No. It's... <laughs> I thought about Dave. The only reason why I brought that up was because I meant to bring it up earlier. And you reminded me. Dave is different because it is two different people. Yeah. Yeah. But, they just uh, look identical. Yeah. And yeah, so you take somebody and it's a way to get away from the prison system. You know, it's rehabilitating people by turning them into the good versions of themselves by putting up those uh, filters that maybe these people don't have, or, you know, taking those thoughts that they maybe have that they've been kind of pushing away and bringing them out. 
I, you know, of course things go very poorly and the other side comes back out. You know, it has to, it's a, it would be a movie and bad things happen. Uh, and I would make it with uh, Christian Bale. So, wow. Okay. So awesome. Christian Bale. Great choice. Also because so much of American Psycho and not, not just the movie, but the book right. as well. Yeah. It, it, it connects to this, to this, to the story. And I think he's also an actor who could play both extremes really well. Mm-hmm. And it's funny. Cause as you're describing that, you made me think of another, as I was as over the course of my week, just thinking about yeah. these things. And I kind of was thinking, I was like, well, what if you took someone and tried to go the, the reverse on them? And then I thought, I thought to myself, I'm like, well, I, that is, I love that movie. That's a clockwork orange. Yeah. <laughs> Where you take totally. Alex and you, yeah, you lock him up. I mean, it's, it's different, but it's, it's, you know, but that's also how they're trying to, it, it's part of the whole, the background is the whole government plan to you know reduce the prison population yeah that's right there you go so by (laughs) brainwashing them (laughs) so it's a little it's not the same thing yeah similar it, it that's but that was that was where my head went when i was kind of when i was kind of thinking that direction who would you so you'd have christian bale starring who would you have as the creative force behind it It'd be it'd be nice to somehow involve Drew Barrymore just to kind of have the family connection, but I don't think that uh, I don't know if she'd be the person to direct it. Say maybe just be in the movie. She could produce it. Yeah, sure. She's she's got some pretty good producing chops. Um, yeah. Good question for. Huh. I don't know. I haven't. I I always. Seem when to, would you like? Where? When would you? When would you have it set? Like present day. So present day and Christian Bale is like what? Who is he? He's just he's a scientist. No, he's the person who it's being performed on. He's like the test subject. Oh. Yeah. So he's uh, a prisoner. Yeah, or? and and the the uh, scientist is obviously Oscar Isaac. Yes. <laughs> I you know I had Oscar Isaac on on my list. Let me hold on. I haven't oh, looked at my, Yeah, I've, totally. I've, you know what, John? And I'm surprised you haven't mentioned him, Michael Shannon. Michael uh. Shannon would make a great Jekyll and Hyde. And, and as would Kiefer Sutherland. Kiefer Sutherland. I don't I don't know if I agree with that one completely. I don't know if I do anymore. Sorry. Yeah. I guess I should say like if I am it was, thinking if this was the 80s or 90s then yeah. I think I'm thinking like late nineties Kiefer Sutherland, yeah. but yeah. Or I was thinking also if you decided to kind of gender swap, I was thinking some, some good, some good Jekylls would be like Tony Collette. Mm-hmm. Tony Collette's Cause, great. <laughs> yeah, Cause she can do anything. But Tony Collette, Charlize Theron, I thought was kind of an obvious just because she is also so versatile and has mm-hmm. actually like basically done this by playing Aileen Wuornos, Wuornos. in Monster. Yeah. Yeah. She was just total hide the whole time. Right. Have you ever seen that? Yeah. It's great. Holy shit. That movie's amazing. <laughs> I can never watch it again, but damn. You know, like Viola Davis. Mm hmm. Imagine seeing like someone like a Viola Davis just totally like. That'd let be loose. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, just just kind of some some thoughts I had. 
in regards to that. But yeah, who would be the good? Well, if it's good, Christian uh, Bale, why not get him back together with uh, Christopher Nolan? Oh, I thought you were going to say David O. Russell. Well, I don't know if David O. Russell be, would be right for this. What about Although McG? I lo- <laughs> you say McG? Sorry, I was I was drawing a connection because McG directed Terminator Salvation. Oh. where and I, I forget if that's I don't think when that's you, who Christian Bale like ran. When about, I but. said, "Did you say McG?" I got a pang of terror that you didn't say McG, and that I would be have been the one that brought up McG. <laughs> well, but also McG directed Charlie's Angels. That's true. Very more well, connection. Well, yeah, but that's not a reason to. Uh, get him involved yeah no 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 there's absolutely no reason to get mcg involved with this uh not not at all what about greta gerwig Uh, i mean you know what i i i I don't know if i could say no to that because we haven't yet seen her like her full potential the you know the breadth of her talents for directing like i'm getting i'm getting the sense though with with like with little women being a pretty different film than the others that have you seen it yet I haven't, but I've seen the. It's awesome. It's great. I really, I, I really want to see it. I had not been that enticed, but I'm just. I Lord, feel like Laura yeah, this Dern. is kind of a must see. You get Laura, Laura Dern in Dern. there. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you're you're right. Yeah, I'm just darn it. Uh, oh boy. <laughs> yeah. So. That way, I'm trying to think of any other ways to do it. Sorry, I'm thinking about like Christian Bale in it, and I'm just thinking like Ford versus Ferrari versus Jekyll versus Hyde. And uh. <laughs> Ford versus Ferrari was quite enjoyable. I liked it. Another one I have, have you know, I don't get to the movies that often. Mm-hmm. I I did see I saw the Star Wars Episode Nine, The Rise right. of Skywalker, and oh, what did we just wa- watch? The Irishman. The Irishman. Yesterday. Yes, in fact, I, I posted on my blog. You have a blog? I have a blog, yeah. I don't know. I didn't know I, that. Yeah. You know, I just kind of started using it. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. I had some thoughts after after The Irishman. I'd be more than happy to share them now. We're not talking about Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, but... I, I know that you uh, are more of a Scorsese fan than I am. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm sure that we have different opinions on it. I don't well, think I don't think this I, is the place to talk about it. Okay. No. I yeah. No. I have it boiled down. I've got it. I've got an analogy. Okay. okay. Yeah. So anyway, you check it out. All right. You want to plug your blog? Uh, I was not prepared to plug my blog <laughs> at all. I didn't think this was going to come up. We'll post a link. Okay. On, on Instagram. We'll 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 put it'll up a be link in the episode's it. description. Yeah, my you'll you get you can read my thoughts on the Irishman, and yeah, so Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. I'm trying. I'm really. I'm like trying to think who else would be great. I would have loved to have seen like a Ridley Scott version of it, but like a mid to late '80s Ridley Scott yeah. version of of the Strange Case of Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. And it's it's so tough to say with Ridley Scott because his work is kind of all over the map. Ridley Scott makes so many movies. I, I mean, if you think about it, and the man, I believe, has never won a Best Director Oscar. Neither, not that that matters. Sorry. I mean, it matters, but really, I mean, the man, like, he's the guy behind what? Alien, Blade right. Runner, 
and you know Thelma and Louise. There's you know more and more. Just when you think you're done, you think of more amazing movies that Ridley Scott has made, and then you're like, uh, yeah, he made 1492: Conquest of Paradise. Yeah, yeah, all over the uh, map. It wasn't so hot. All over the map. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, John, what else? Do you have anything more to to say on this topic? I don't believe I do. Uh, I am happy that we got to talk about the New York City restaurant, Jekyll and Hyde, <laughs> the uh, the musical it's a wonderful Jekyll and restaurant. Hyde. It's you know, get your spooky mozzarella sticks. No big deal. It's okay. Get your Frankenstein <laughs> and even if it burger. Doesn't say, and you know what? If you go there, and even if it doesn't say spooky mozzarella sticks, on you the order menu, them. You order them. You order them. And you will not get a sideways look. They will know. <laughs> like, those are going to be... It's like, what if that was code? What if that's, like, the secret menu? It's what, I want the spooky mozzarella sticks. What a weird sticks, place to have, have like, a secret menu, but also kind of appropriate. What would be in the spooky... Would it be, like, jalapeno? I don't, I don't know. in the spooky mozzarella sticks? Mm. So just some... Think about that. It just comes hey, in dry ice. Listen, Starfighters, if you have some ideas of what would possibly be Are we calling in a our spooky... listeners Starfighters, really? We we do it at the beginning of every episode. <laughs> like, for almost a year, John. Yeah, okay. <laughs> this is nothing new. Um, we just don't usually do it at the end of the episode. But please email us with your recipe for spooky mozzarella sticks. Yes. <laughs> email us at ruinedchildhoodspod.com. At gmail.com. Ruinedchildhoodspod at gmail.com. If you make spooky mozzarella sticks, take pictures, send us pictures. We will post them on our Instagram feed. Yeah, I don't think that's happening in in my house anytime soon. But uh, <laughs> spooky mozzarella sticks. You know what? Actually, I think I'm, I might make that happen. Spooky mozzarella sticks. Sure. Sounds good. Yeah. So I also want to read an email we got from French Fry Phil. Awesome. So Phil uh, emailed us gents, which I love that he calls us gents. So nice. Uh, better than the boys from so nowhere. Should I say it's be- should I say that rather than starfighters? No. no so he's addressing I'm not us. Steal French fry Phil's gimmick. Yeah, I mean, if we wanted to address our fans, all we had to say is French fry Phil because that is our that's our guy. So anyway, French fry Phil. Apologies says, to any of you who are not French fry Phil. If <laughs> Look, if you there. want if you want us to know who you are, email us ruinchildhoodspot at gmail.com, like Phil does, who says, Hope all is well. Just wanted to share something I came across on Christmas Eve last week. My wife and I put the kids to bed and rented Die Hard on the Voodoo streaming service. We had every intention of watching this movie with the volume turned down very low due to strong language, but I noticed this family play option on Voodoo. I turned it on and all of the swearing muted while we watched the film. The scenes with nude posters hanging in the wall were skipped as well. And then he attached a photo of the, uh, of the settings. Uh, I'm not trying to be an advertisement for Voodoo, just wanted to share this, because a lot of people consider Die Hard a holiday movie, but with the family and little kids around, may not find this find time to enjoy it. This isn't something I would use all the time, but for fam- but for familiar, heavier rated movies that get rewatched more than others, it's a nice option. Happy New Year, Phil. Um, well, thank you. Very interesting. Thank you. There's an option to skip- I would try- There's an option to if- skip things with substance abuse. If you were to watch The Irishman using that setting on Voodoo, it would be like watching a silent film. 
it'd be uh, three and a half minutes long rather than three and a half hours long. No, it would still be three and a half hours long. It would just be three and a half minutes of actual dialogue that you could hear. Totally. Yes. Um, Well, anyway, (laughs) Phil, thank you for emailing. Dan, do you have the results from our poll? Yes. Thanks for reminding me. Yeah, it is now the new year. We promised that we would reveal the results of uh, our online reboot poll talking about the movies of the last decade right yeah well the uh, sorry we know that there are some of you who are decade traditionalists who adhere to the decade not beginning until the 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 oh one seinfeld rules so but you know just because uh, why fight it we have uh we're gonna say so 2010 through 2019 what were the most popular reboots, remakes, sequels, prequels, and and which ones just uh, just were not not great? And we definitely had some had some varied responses, but there were there were some names that certainly came up more than once in some contexts. So, uh, so the results are. Do I have to put in a drum roll sound effect? Yes. <laughs> so the first the first question on here, which of the following long-awaited sequels or prequels from 2010 to 2019 have you seen? And among the the many that were listed, the most popular of all with 85.7% was 2010's Tron Legacy. Huh. Trailed in a tie at 57.1%, Ridley Scott's Prometheus and mm. Mary Poppins Returns. Okay. Some other ones that were that were notable Super Troopers 2 with uh 28.6% of the respondents saw it uh tied with Glass. Wait, that's just people who saw it? Well, the people who responded, yeah, just uh yeah, just saw it. Okay. And I was going to say Street, I saw Super Troopers 2. But I wouldn't put it on any lists. Well, no. Now, when you ask the question, which of the bu- which of the above did you think was the best? It boils down to this. In first place, tied for first place, we have uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine mm-hmm. and Tron Legacy. Sorry, Blade Runner twenty forty nine must have been a. Uh... Oh no, sorry. Actually, Blade Runner. Um, sorry, got multiple responses. Uh, just someone just wrote Blade Runner instead of Blade Runner twenty forty nine. So no problem. Uh, we had someone who picked Glass as their best. Someone else. Uh, let's see. We had some other people say Mary Poppins Returns, but Tron and Blade Runner twenty forty nine were the big ones. Then when we get to which of the above did you think was the worst? Well. Let's see. People did not like Independence Day Resurgence. Yeah, it wasn't great. Myself included. Uh, yep. Super Troopers 2 did not uh, do well. Glass had its detractors, as did Wall Street Money Never Sleeps, and hmm. Dumb and Dumber 2. Okay. So now we have which of the following reboots from 2010 to 2019 did you see? And we've got... First place, the the most seen uh, sequel slash prequel, or sorry, reboot, Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Oh, very good. Very good. Oh, yeah. Excellent. Followed up by X-Men First Class, also 2011. Uh, I reviewed both of those, actually. So Mad Max Fury Road 
is there's a four-way tie here. Mad Max, Fury Road, Jurassic World, Creed, and Ghostbusters as as reboots that people have seen. And and I counted Creed as a a reboot. Mm-hmm. But yeah, people uh, people saw Ocean's Eight. People saw a Spider-Man Homecoming, which I consider that to be a reboot. Spider-Man Homecoming. Well, Ocean's Eight is a sequel because it is building on, you know, like, even though he's not in it, Danny Ocean is There's a connection, a but I, there's a connection. I, I just, I have trouble calling it a sequel because it really doesn't connect to the events of the Ocean okay. movies. That's true. And I also feel, and I don't know if they're planning on on making another one, but Ocean's Eight was a hell of a fun movie. Yeah, and totally. I I I'd be there for for an Ocean's Ocean's Nine. I mean, yeah. you know, they can they can do a trilogy. They can do eight, nine, ten. They sure could before they they have to start worrying about new titles. So uh, the ones that people love the most of of that list, of course, Mad Max: Fury Road, mm-hmm. Rise of the Planet of the Apes, Prometheus. Prometheus ended up on both lists. Okay, um, so Prometheus but Mad Max is a it, it reboots the series. It re yeah I guess I guess yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so you because I guess yeah it's followed up by Covenant. But you got Mad Max Fury Road, Jurassic World, uh, people liked Predators, hmm. got a little love in the which did you think was the best? Which did you think was the worst? John, what do you, I, what do you think people thought was the worst reboot of the last decade? Are there options there or is it uh, just right in? Oh, there were there were options. Can you read them off to me? Uh, let's say Predator, uh, sorry, yeah, Predators, X-Men First Class, Spy Kids All the Time in the World, Mission Impossible, Ghost Protocol, The Amazing Spider-Man, Alex Cross, Lone Ranger, Man of Steel, Godzilla, Max, Mad Max, Creed, Ghostbusters, Kong, Skull Island, Power Rangers, Tomb Raider, Ocean's 8, The the Predator, Hellboy, Adam's Family, Charlie's Angels. So I would guess probably Lone Ranger. No, and I, I think the only reason why people didn't say that was because I don't think enough people saw it i saw it in the theater did you yes i did and i was about to ask you how it compared to cats but then i'm i don't think you've seen cats yet, i have not you? but army hammer fun army to watch hammer, man all right okay i didn't see it I, I really can't say so uh but ghostbusters really? was named the worst of the of the reboots which i i, I don't i didn't see all of these I saw Ghostbusters. I didn't like it. The fact that I didn't like it had absolutely nothing to do with the genders of the Ghostbusters. I enjoyed it. I thought it was oh, fine. It was a fine movie. That's great. But like I would have I would have probably like I don't think enough people saw Spy Kids all the time in the world. I, I did not even it. know did it was a thing. It? No. Yeah. I haven't seen any Joel of the Spy McHale. Kids movies. Oh man, Spy Kids. I also one don't is care good. for Joel McHale. Okay. There's there's, I get it. there's that too. So, and then finally, we've got all the remakes and readaptations, and just like which it was the question was just which ones have you seen? So, you've got in in 2010, you've got Alice in Wonderland, which a lot of people oh, saw that. Yeah. I saw that. I saw that in the theater. I might have saw that in, in the theater. Yep. So we have we have that one. We've got True Grit, also 2010. Right. The Coen Brothers 
remake, uh, Let Me In, the remake of Let the Right One In, which Let Me In, directed by Matt Reeves, great remake. Um, not too many people saw The Roommate, which was a remake of Single White Female, hmm. which I you may or may that. not have been aware of. Yeah, it exi- that, that exists. Uh, not that many people saw the remake of The Thing. Not surprising because the original is amazing. Uh, some more people saw the Total Recall remake slash readaptation. Uh, a lot of people saw Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Mm-hmm. A lot of people saw RoboCop. The RoboCop in, in 2014. Right. The last movie that my wife and I saw before our child was born. <laughs> uh, the Jungle Jungle Book was also a pretty popular one. It. Mm-hmm. A, a Star is Born. A star is Born, Lion King. So, S- star is Born is the most... A star is Born, Alice in Wonderland, and True Grit are the were the most seen ones. That, that makes sense. Uh, yeah. Okay, so those that's those are the most seen. Okay. Now, which of the above did which of the above did people think was the best? Well, my guess would be you... my guess would be Walter Mitty. No, no one named that. No, really, that, that was not named. That was not named as the best. I I saw it as being a very well liked movie. No, I mean it didn't didn't do well though. I've 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 heard it's worth giving giving a look. Now, um, we had we had some love uh, in response to to this answer. Some love for Dread, <laughs> a lot of love for A Star Is Born, which mm-hmm. I totally okay. get. Uh, some love for Murder on the Orient Express, which okay, all due respect. Total Recall, Fright Night, Nightmare on Elm Street. I passed by a movie theater here in Portland called the Hollywood Theater recently. Actually, today mm-hmm. I did. Recently, today, and uh, very recently, they are showing seventy millimeter prints of Total Recall and the Phantom Thread. <gasps> is it a double feature? I'm there. It doesn't indicate that it is or isn't, but I hope that it is because that's an odd pairing of movies. <laughs> but that's a wonderful pairing of movies. It's a wonderful pairing of movies, but that I don't see any connection with. No, no connection yeah. <laughs> whatsoever, but I you know I'm a big fan of Phantom Thread. Love Phantom Thread. And of Thread. course, I'm a I'm a big fan of uh I was eating uh, a recall. dish last night with mushrooms and it's all I could think of. <laughs> that movie is so good. And I mean, I probably not underrated cuz I think it got really great reviews, but in terms of Paul Thomas Anderson movies, I think that one kind of flew under the radar a little bit and deserves to be seen. It's but, uh, and then the phenomenal. last, so the last, the last item on the survey was which did people think was the worst remake, readaptation, what have you, and uh, any guesses as to what might have come up in there? Total Recall. No, no, no. I'm just thinking my own Arthur. personal thoughts. Arthur, that was a really I put, bad one. I put Arthur. <laughs> that was that was oh just because i abstained from the poll no amount of helen mirren can m- make up for just trying to trying to do what dudley moore russell brand was having a moment yes they tried yes, to make enough, it work enough said it didn't uh people did not like the overboard remake oh yeah no one liked the fo- people did not like the footloose remake or dinner for schmucks uh, which I thought I thought was eh, all right. Uh, the Poltergeist remake did not fare well, nor did Suspiria. Really, I haven't seen the Suspiria one, but I've only heard good things. Yeah, I have. I know Tom York did the music for it. That's about right. as much as I know, and I've I've never seen the original. 
But sure. I mean, well, I guess whoever saw it didn't didn't like it that much. Whoever so, saw it. <laughs> uh, anyway, if you want to elaborate, maybe you didn't get a chance to respond to the survey or you want to share your thoughts, uh, feel free to email us at ruinedchildhoodspod at gmail.com. Check us out on the Instagram at uh, ruinedchildhoodspod. And on that note... The next episode is going to be yes. a movie featuring Ben Affleck. Matt Damon. That's right. We're doing school ties. Yeah, school ties. Cole Hauser. <laughs> if you wanted to extend the tease. But <laughs> right. uh, yes, Anthony Rapp, who wasn't in Good Will Hunting. But yeah. Uh, yeah, so we're, yeah, it's, it's school ties. We're doing school ties. School ties. Oh boy. Oh boy. It's yes. streaming on one of the platforms out there. It's at streaming least. on, it's current. Currently streaming on uh, Prime and Hoopla. So Hoopla, your oh the the yeah. library, yes, linked one. Great. Yeah, you could get school ties through your your public library. No, no money required. Well, as we will learn on the next episode, the the way in which I first saw school ties was a requirement. So. That's my tease for the next episode. Yes, as I believe it was for me. <laughs> and all right. I, I, on that on that note, I wish you, I bid you all a good journey. And good journey. <laughs>